Very clever. Thank you, Kenneth. Today's talk is called Find God in It. Well, and again, if you don't like the word God, find love in it. Find peace in it. Find joy. Whatever your word for God is. But, hello. <laughs> oh, oh, that's a fan. Uh, and, I, and I was looking for this. Like, this is based on September 11th, 9-11. And I'm looking around the room, and I'm, some of you weren't even adults yet when 9-11 took place, about 2001. And so I don't know how it hit you uh, back then, as it might now. Many of us were kind of forced into adulthood that day. If we were living as a perpetual child that day, we had to face, oh, I've got to see life differently. Something that I thought could never happen, happened. Something that, no, there's no way that could happen down the street from where I live. It was about 50 blocks from me, but nevertheless, I could smell it in my, my, my living room. And, and I could see the smoke for months. Something like that was not possible to happen, and yet it happened. COVID is something none of us thought could happen. And yet it has happened. And uh, it has forced us into some form of adulthood that we didn't necessarily want to go to. And some of us have gone kicking and screaming, and some of us have not gone into adulthood at all, and, uh, and they're miserable over it. And, and so life, as we see, keeps happening biblically. All that stuff that many of us grew up hearing in the Bible, and we took it for granted. We just, oh, that's the, oh, that's the Bible. That's the, the book where people are just killing each other at random. That's the Bible. Where, where somebody goes into a town and wipes people out. Oh, that's the Bible. Oh, where, 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 the, where the host gives his daughters to the guests so that the guests won't rape his other guests. That's the Bible. All that stuff, and it's not so much the Bible anymore. It's happening, happening in our lifetime, where people are considering other people personal property. That's, that, that's not just the Bible anymore. It, it's happening, and I don't say all this to make us miserable, because there's a lot of light in the Bible. Uh, one man wrote about Samuel, Samuel, 2 Samuel, and he said, the events of the Hebrew history recorded in the scriptures must be regarded as standing for positive spiritual activities in us rather than as a mere historical record. In all history, there is always so strong an element of uncertainty that one of our ablest writers and orators has said that history is a record of events that never happened. And when I read about that, mm, a record of events that never happened. Even our more recent, you know, our American history. We have all this stuff written down that happened. Well, it didn't happen that way. Most things did not happen the way it's recorded. It 
the Bible especially, because it's it was written how long after any of that stuff happened. So it's written by interpretation. It's, it's written by scribes who didn't necessarily agree. So I knew their curly cue. Well, I'm going to write it this way. So if you have the same book copied 10 times, it's going to be 10 different interpretations of what happened. And then you get up to new thoughts and suddenly it's all taught metaphysically. It's not taught historically at all. Even, even Jesus is not taught historically for us. Now we talked, it is assumed that Jesus lived and he did a lot of healing good, but we, that's not how we look to Jesus. We look to Jesus metaphysically. In, in unity, Jesus is first the human man, and then there's Jesus Christ, the awakened man. Then there's Christ Jesus, the risen man. It's a lot. It's a lot to think about, and I suggest you study it and look at it. And, and so to keep looking at this stuff, and they're like, oh, oh my goodness. But that Amy Semple McPherson, who was a, a, an evangelist in the 1920s, she, she had the first megachurch. They built a 5,000-seat church in Echo Park in Los Angeles. Los Angeles. <laughs> Los Angeles. And she... Uh, she had five services every Sunday. Plus, she had like 25 services a week in her church, all full, all very full. And we can look at churches to see how we are different, but I was fascinated by, by Amy Simple. And above her pulpit, she had inscribed, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I thought, okay, let me think on that. How are we the same? And I thought, well... Jesus Christ, the awakened man, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus the man is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Christ Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Look, this is the same. It's just explained differently, but it still meant that uh, through this, we'll say representative, and a lot of what we read about Jesus is fictional. But that doesn't mean the myth doesn't work. And we can look at it and say, I don't need it to be historically accurate for it to work, to, for it to be effective for healing. And the Jesus Christ message is one of healing, healing of spirit, mind, and then body. The body is in many ways the least important, although the Fillmore's, Unity's co-founders, co taught that the, the healing of the body is essential for a peaceful life and to prove God now that all healing is possible. All healing is possible. We have to keep looking at that. I'm going to read on here. Divine inspiration of the scriptures was not given merely for history's sake that were a matter of smaller moment. Inspiration is a spiritual revelation of spiritual truth presented to the human mind under various symbolisms. And these figurative portrayals find their exact fulfillment in human experiences in all ages. Unlike history, truth thus present, presented contains no element of uncertainty. The symbol always finds its spiritual counterpart in human hearts, while history, having once had its day, is forever afterward only valuable as a feat retrospection. 
In the David consciousness, David of uh, Samuel says, uh, one does not wage a war of conquest because love sees no enemy until it obtrudes itself on his notice by attack. Then he goes forth to battle, overcoming and slaying his enemies, thereby extending his dominion. But if I'm trying to kill my enemies rather than transform them, I've become the enemy. I still believe in enemies. And that is a big burden. Those of us who have enemies, we live with a perpetual burden on our mind, on our shoulders. If the weather is our enemy, I'm burdened for today. If my body is an enemy, I'm burdened for today. If my neighbors are an enemy, I'm burdened today. And I don't want to be burdened anymore. I, 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 at a certain point in life, I, I, I want to overcome these burdens. And so when we teach metaphysically, uh, like the Bible stuff, all the wars and everything, what all those represent are states of our thinking. States of our thinking that we must overcome. And that's why I kept going back to unity because I wanted this thought and this thought and this thought to be overcome so that I didn't have to be mad at my, my family anymore. I didn't have to be mad at people I worked with anymore. And most of all, I didn't have to be mad at myself anymore. It got really old being mad at myself. Anybody? Anybody? Did it just, did it wear you down? Or has it still, is it still wearing you down? You're mad at yourself. You think somehow you're a walking defect of character. You know, and so many healing modalities, and that includes the 12 steps, that includes A Course of Miracles, and if you're not paying attention, it includes unity. We hear of the defective parts of us, what we have done wrong, where we have somehow sinned or whatever, and, and that's all we latch on to, and we live in guilt, thinking, yeah, but I've done this, and yeah, I've done this. I can't tell you how many people I have complimented or praised, and they come back to tell me what's wrong with them. Well, yeah, but... You look great today. Oh, thank you, because I feel awful. You know, oh, what a great dress. Really, it's so old. <laughs> you know, I, uh, whatever praise it may be, and, and they, they, it's like, shut up. <laughs> shut up. Take it. Say thank you. I was taught early on, somebody gives you a compliment, you say thank you. And let it go. Take the praise. Go look in the mirror. Say, oh, somebody thought I was a, I look good today. Yeah, you know, it, it's a somebody said, Thank you for doing this to, to me. And I, I've all, I've never quite understood the response when I said thank you. No problem. Well, I wasn't implying it was a problem. <laughs> My thought is, thank you, because you didn't have to do this. And you chose to, and I'm grateful. Your welcome is a much better response because it opens up to uh, uh, just a bond then, instead of, again, a burden. You've just implied that I thought you were a problem, or I thought I was a problem, instead of just, thank you, thank you so much, I'm so grateful, yay. We could celebrate together, no problem. And, and, and uh, somehow, so to pay attention, now, how finding God in it is our topic, and I thought, how do I find God in 9-11? How do I find God in a lot of things? Sickness, confusion, pain, 
the Ukraine war, COVID? How do I find God in it? How do I find God in myself? I won't if I keep thinking God is an elusive person. If I keep thinking G-O-D, God, is sitting on a throne somewhere, either big God in the sky or a little bitty God on the throne inside of me, because that's where God moved to. When I was told God was within me, I still I put a little person, little old man with a beard inside of me. Uh, and as long as I keep thinking God is a persona, and that doesn't mean I never personify God, I'm allowed to talk to God as if, but I still need to know the truth that this God is not deciding anything. This God, I, I'm not still waiting for God to decide if he or she likes me. I, I can't I can't afford that God that bless you bless you uh, I can't afford to wait for that God because the problem is that God is me the God that is waiting to decide if it likes me is me and I'm still basing it on my behaviors my behaviors are not what makes me lovable. I'm lovable because I'm made in the image and likeness of love. Now, let's go back to 9-11. And uh, a lot of thoughts about 9-11. Mostly how terrible it was. Oh, what an awful thing that happened. And I, do, I, I, I uh, okay, well, shook me up. It really shook me up, but I was clear from the first I heard about it, I didn't understand it. I couldn't make a decision about it because I didn't understand how such a thing can happen. I've never understood how violence can happen. I understand that it does happen. I've never understood how. It's a... And so, therefore, there is more to it than what I have imagined. And I, I guess I, I don't understand how I happen. You know, that there are things that I've done in my life. It's how could I do such a thing? On both ends of the spectrum. You know, it used to be, how could I be this damaging? How could I be this hurtful? How could I do such things to myself? And then as I got well, I think, well, with my past, how could I be this good? And so either way, I'm sitting in judgment and holding on to, we'll call it the negative for, for now. But how do I find God in myself? One of my favorite things is when somebody says, uh, they like to say they're not religion, religious but I'm spiritual. And I think, but are you? I think I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> what is not spiritual just because they read spiritual literature? That does not make someone spiritual. One is not spiritual because they say they are. One is spiritual because it reflects. They reflect it in their lives. Spiritual isn't, it's an act. It's an act of, or it's action, I should say. It's, spirituality is action. 
a life in action, displaying spirit. It is not one who can, has memorized the Bible, not one who has memorized Wayne Dyer. It is not one who has memorized the Course of Miracles. That doesn't make any of us spiritual. It's what we do with that information. And you said, I was studying unity for a, a bit. I was uh, many years, I think, into 12-step healing. Uh, with uh, when 9-11 happened, I can't remember, eight years. And, and so, I couldn't look at this the way I would have at one time, even though I felt all the fear that I could feel around it. Oh no, I, where do they come next? If I remember, I was on my way to teach a class at Unity of New York on that Tuesday morning. And I, I, I was taking this, I had to go to Little Pie Company to pick up a carrot cake. It was a friend of mine's birthday that was coming to class. And then I, I guess I took this, I was taking the subway down to 30th Street, 34th Street. I remember a lot of people at both Port Authority and the train station. I thought, boy, a lot of people here for a Tuesday. And I came up and I, I went to the, the church offices on 30th Street, 7th Avenue, and up there, and my friend Joy, whose birthday it was, called me. And she said, Sean, I'm not coming to class today. And, and I'll be honest, I was not the most empathetic person at that point. And I, she had been experiencing a lot of depression. And I, uh, I wasn't that excited. Why? <laughs> that was my response. And she said, uh, well, have you heard what's going on outside? I said, it's beautiful out. And she said, well, a plane just hit the, the World Trade Center. That to me meant a wing chipped into it somewhere. Because again, I can't conceive people people willingly driving into a building or flying into a building. And then I said, okay, fine. And then a woman who's coming in from Brooklyn called and said, Sean, I can't come to class today. I can't get over to Manhattan. But she didn't seem alarmed either. She was an older, wiser woman. And uh, she lived a lot of years. And she could see it from her building, but she was not in a panic. And then somebody else called crying. And that's when I started to get it. I thought, oh, oh, this is what's happening. Okay, fine. So my, I, I, I'm more of a go into action person. And the following day was Unity's World Day of Prayer. And I thought, well, we're hosting a 24-hour vigil. We're going to need water. And my second thought was, will money mean anything after today? Because Unity teaches about prosperity. And suddenly I'm going to have to rethink prosperity. Well, I'll do that on my way to get water. I get down to the 7th Avenue, I'm going to go into Whole Foods and buy water, bottles of water. And I see people lined up at pay phones on the street because their cell phones no longer work because of the tower. And I suddenly I see a big poof go up in the sky and I thought, oh, the building collapsed. And I saw that. And I still went and bought the water. And I came back up to the church office and I thought, well, I should stay here for a while. People might need the church. So I sat there. One person came in for my meditation group, my 12-power meditation group, and for class. And she and I sat and talked a while, and then she left. And an hour later, somebody else came in who was just beside herself. But, but she said something that was profound to me. She said, Sean, it occurred to me, we have to pray for the terrorists, too. I wasn't brought up to pray for the terrorists. But if we're unity... And that doesn't just mean our church members. If we are unity, 
the people that do these horrendous things, they only could do it because they forget. They've had to work so hard to forget who they are. Have you ever done something so horrendous you had to forget who you were in order to do it? I ha Every time I've ever lied, I had to forget who I was to do it. Every time I ever stole in my day, I had to forget who I was to do it. Every time I was ever unkind to somebody, I had to forget. Imagine what you have to forget to kill 3,000 people in one day. Imagine what you have to forget about yourself and life to, to do such a thing. So and, and so I thought, she's absolutely right. And I instantly began to affirm the highest for these beings that did that, for, for all of the beings uh, that were present that day. And, and I had to look at, as the stories went on throughout the few following weeks, the people that just didn't go to work that day, by coincidence. And, uh, you know, somebody else, their train was late. They, you know, see, there's so much more to this than what meets the eye. So much more uh, to 9-11 than what, than what you think. Oh, those ter the terrible things. Oh, those poor people. But there's more to it because, again, somebody didn't go to work. Lots of people didn't go to work that day. Somebody's child kept them back. I know somebody's child got sick, and so they had to call off that day. And, and all these different things. My friend Gary, who was on a, he was below the World Trade Center on a subway. And he was starting to take off to go to New Jersey for work. And suddenly the subway went flying underneath the river because they had, it, the bomb had happened and they had to get out of there. And so he ended up on the other side. And he worked in a hazmat suit all day in a trash helping people who were coming back over to Jersey and things who had been in it. And he, and he had come back to... He just had a severe case of shingles in Ohio. He was at his mother's. And he decided he had to get back to New York. He came back on Monday, the, the 10th. And he served so many people that next day. See, there, there's so much going on that we don't get. And if we think God is a person deciding, well, you're this and you're that, we're lost. This is life on life's terms. And, and so to begin to look at it and... Uh, but here's, here's my solution, as far as I can tell, for the moment. You know, how do I find God in it? Eric Butterworth said it very nicely. Discover the power within you. Work your spirituality to find out the power within you. And the power within you is what you're thinking. And you have a power for good or for bad, as it were. You know, don't give all the power to what you fear or are furious at, and many of us do. We really use our power within to focus on what we're upset about and what we think is wrong. We give all our power to the thought of sickness within us, and we give our power to what, who has hurt us. We give our power, again, to the weather. And I think of the story of Joseph in the 50th chapter of Genesis who had been sold into slavery, and then all this stuff weaved to bring him an amazing life where he served a lot of people. And I like what he said there. He said, fear not, for I am in the place of God. And he said, and as for you, you meant evil against me. And God meant it for, uh, as good to bring to pass. And it is 
to this day to save much people alive. Now therefore fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them because Joseph, because of that hardship, saved thousands and thousands of people and raised them up in consciousness. Uh, till we got to Exodus, where we forget all about Joseph because a thousand years have passed and uh, it's a whole new story of people forgetting and going unconscious again. Fascinating. But Joseph knew that he had the power within him to see good where others saw bad. I haven't told this story in a while. I went down to Ground Zero about a week after the bombing. Now, you couldn't get close to it. And if you know where Century 21 was down there, I, that's where, as far as I could get to look at it. And it was a Sunday night. And the sun was starting to set over New Jersey. Smoke was still coming up. There was a slight mist. Remember those two pieces of building that were there like this. And to me, I thought, if no one told me what this was about, I would call it an amazing work of art, what I was looking at. If I didn't know the story, people all around me are crying and they're angry and they're upset. And I said, Sean, take the story out of it. What are you seeing? And I saw art with the mist and the sculpture and everything. And I, I found that fascinating. I thought, I just found God in this. Art still exists. All these people around me, life still exists. And uh, people are having the choice to think what happened. And there is nothing that tells us we have to think a certain thing. There are no rules to say, well, this happens, you have to think this. It's not true. I was free to look at it and see art sculpture and I wasn't afraid of it I still all these years later experience disappointment around it because I still feel cautious about living life COVID reinforced that that living that it's I'm anxious about living life I have a very good friend whose brother-in-law was killed in one of the planes on 9-11. And he tells the story about it, and he says, my wife and I were devastated, and I thought, I'm done with God. I'm absolutely done with God over it back then. And he said, but my wife and I decided, in his honor, we were gonna have another baby. And about 14 months later, they had their youngest son. And he said, if it hadn't been for 9-11, we wouldn't have our son. You have to look at things. It's, it's bigger than what I know. When we go out into the street and there's traffic and congestion and there's stuff, and it's bigger than what we understand. My mother's death was bigger than what I understand. My nephew's suicide was bigger than what I understand. My upbringing, believe me, was bigger than what I understand. And I know that your upbringing was bigger than what you understand. Man's cruelty towards other, each other, one another, is wildly senseless. You cannot make sense of this senselessness. 
of people hurting other people. And, uh, and the stuff that an attacker does never gives the attacker what they were hoping for. Ever. An attacker never gets true satisfaction over hurting another being. It doesn't seem to stop them because they keep forgetting who they are. These mass shootings. Someone is doing, the, you know, the individuals who are doing this, it's because they ache. They ache in their spirit because they're so confused. And we're not going to understand it. But we can begin to look with love. It's like, Spirit, show me this in love rather than horribleness. Show me this in love so that I may live a life of love for as long as I do live in this body. Show me the good in this. And I don't mean the lemonade. I mean, show me how there is somehow good in this because it's very difficult to see in my humanness, but in my spirit, it's possible to see. Look within, find God, find love, find power, find presence, find intelligence, find love, find it. It's not that it's missing, it's just sometimes hard to see. And then think your thoughts, speak your words, and take your actions as they ought be done by you. But don't do it until you've gone within. Before you declare what a rotten place this is, what a horrifying place this is, go within and say, how is it good? How is life good today? How, how, how? We used to pray for prosperity as if, oh, I, I should have prosperity. Unity told me I could have prosperity. But what if your prosperity lies in your thinking more than your wallet? What if prosperity lies in your relationships and how you see people more than your wallet, your bank account? What if prosperity is your willingness to understand its life is so much bigger than I knew? I'm not going to understand it. So I'm not going to try, but I know spirit within me does understand it and there aren't words for it. And once I am aware that spirit within me knows it, I can walk forward knowing I know it. I just can't describe it. My thought is, and this is my final thoughts today, until five minutes from now, do not fear dying and do not fear living. Live life and live it more abundantly. Thank you very much.